Chapter Twenty Four of Clotel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Clotel by William Wells Brown. Chapter Twenty Four The Arrest. Quote, the fearful storm it threatens lowering, which God in mercy long delays. Slaves yet may see their masters cowering while whole plantations smoke and blaze. End quote. Carter. It was late in the evening when the coach arrived at Richmond, and Clotel once more alighted in her native city. She had intended to seek lodging somewhere in the outskirts of the town, but the lateness of the hour compelled her to stop at one of the principal hotels for the night. She had scarcely entered the inn when she recognized among the numerous black servants one to whom she was well known, and her hope only was that her disguise would keep her from being discovered. The imperturbable calm and entire forgetfulness of self, which induced Clotel to visit a place from which she could scarcely hope to escape, to attempt the rescue of a beloved child, demonstrate that overwillingness of woman to carry out the promptings of the finer feelings of her heart. True to woman's nature, she had risked her own liberty for another. She remained in the hotel during the night, and the next morning, under the plea of illness, she took her breakfast alone. That day the fugitive slave paid a visit to the suburbs of the town, and once more beheld the cottage in which she had spent so many happy hours. It was winter, and the clematis and passion-flower were not there, but there were the same walks she had so often pressed with her feet and the same trees which had so often shaded her as she passed through the garden at the back of the house. Old remembrances rushed upon her memory, and caused her to shed tears freely. Clotel was now in her native town, and near her daughter, but how could she communicate with her, how could she see her? To have made herself known would have been a suicidal act, betrayal would have followed, and she arrested. Three days had passed away, and Clotel still remained in the hotel at which she had first put up, and yet she had got no tidings of her child. Unfortunately for Clotel, a disturbance had just broken out amongst the slave population in the state of Virginia, and all strangers were eyed with suspicion. The evils consequent on slavery are not lessened by the incoming of one or two rays of light. If the slave only becomes aware of his condition, and conscious of the injustice under which he suffers, if he obtains but a faint idea of these things, he will seize the first opportunity to possess himself of what he conceives to belong to him. The infusion of Anglo-Saxon with African blood has created an insurrectionary feeling among the slaves of America hitherto unknown. Aware of their blood connection with their owners, these mulattoes labor under the sense of their personal and social injuries and tolerate, if they do not encourage in themselves, low and vindictive passions. On the other hand, the slave owners are aware of their critical position, and are very watchful, always fearing an outbreak among the slaves. True, the free states are equally bound with the slave states to suppress any insurrectionary movement that may take place among the slaves. The northern freemen are bound by their constitutional obligations to aid the slaveholder in keeping his slaves in their chains. Yet there are, at the time we write, four millions of bond slaves in the United States. The insurrection to which we now refer was headed by a full-blooded negro who had been born and brought up a slave. 
he had heard the twang of the driver's whip and saw the warm blood streaming from the negro's body he had witnessed the separation of parents and children and was made aware by too many proofs that the slave could expect no justice at the hand of the slave owner he went by the name of nat turner he was a preacher amongst the negroes and distinguished for his eloquence respected by the whites and loved and venerated by the negroes on the discovery of the plan for the outbreak turner fled to the swamps followed by those who had joined in the insurrection here the revolted negroes numbered some hundreds and for a time bade defiance to their oppressors the dismal swamps cover many thousands of acres of wild land and a dense forest with wild animals and insects such as are unknown in any other part of virginia here runaway negroes usually seek a hiding place and some have been known to reside here for years the revolters were joined by one of these he was a large tall full-blooded negro with a stern and savage countenance the marks on his face showed that he was from one of the barbarous tribes in africa and claimed that country as his native land his only covering was a girdle around his loins made of skins of wild beasts which he had killed his only token of authority among those that he led was a pair of epaulettes made from the tail of a fox and tied to his shoulder by a cord brought from the coast of africa when only fifteen years of age to the island of cuba he was smuggled from thence into virginia he had been two years in the swamps and considered it his future home he had met a negro woman who was also a runaway and after the fashion of his native land had gone through the process of oiling her as the marriage ceremony they had built a cave on a rising mound in the swamp this was their home his name was piquillo his only weapon was a sword made from the blade of a scythe which he had stolen from a neighboring plantation his dress his character his manners his mode of fighting were all in keeping with the early training he had received in the land of his birth he moved about with the activity of a cat and neither the thickness of the trees nor the depth of the water could stop him he was a bold turbulent spirit and from revenge imbrued his hands in the blood of all the whites he could meet hunger thirst fatigue and loss of sleep he seemed made to endure as if by peculiarity of constitution his air was fierce his step oblique his look sanguinary such was the character of one of the leaders in the southampton insurrection all negroes were arrested who were found beyond their master's threshold and all strange whites watched with a great degree of alacrity such was the position in which clotel found affairs when she returned to virginia in search of her mary had not the slave owners been watchful of strangers owing to the outbreak the fugitive could not have escaped the vigilance of the police for advertisements announcing her escape and offering a large reward for her arrest had been received in the city previous to her arrival and the officers were therefore on the lookout for the runaway slave it was on the third day as the quadroon was seated in her room at the inn still in the disguise of a gentleman that two of the city officers entered the room and informed her that they were authorized to examine all strangers to assure the authorities that they were not in league with the revolted negroes with trembling heart the fugitive handed the key of her trunk to the officers to their surprise they found nothing but women's apparel in the box which raised their curiosity and caused a further investigation that resulted in the arrest of clotel as a fugitive slave 
She was immediately conveyed to prison, there to await the orders of her master. For many days, uncheered by the voice of kindness, alone, hopeless, desolate, she waited for the time to arrive when the chains were to be placed on her limbs, and she returned to her inhuman and unfeeling owner. The arrest of the fugitive was announced in all the papers, but created little or no sensation. The inhabitants were too much engaged in putting down the revolt among the slaves, and although all the odds were against the insurgents, the whites found it no easy matter, with all their caution. Every day brought news of fresh outbreaks. Without scruple and without pity, the whites massacred all blacks found beyond their owners' plantations. The negroes, in return, set fire to houses, and put those to death who attempted to escape from the flames. Thus carnage was added to carnage, and the blood of the whites flowed to avenge the blood of the blacks. These were the ravages of slavery. No graves were dug for the negroes, their dead bodies became food for dogs and vultures, and their bones, partly calcined by the sun, remained scattered about, as if to mark the mournful fury of servitude and lust of power. When the slaves were subdued, except a few in the swamps, Bloodhounds were put in this dismal place to hunt out the remaining revolters. Among the captured Negroes was one of whom we shall hereafter make mention. End of chapter 24 Recording by Guero